Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hi, friends. I'm Laura Adams, and you're listening to the Money Girl Podcast. A reader named Aaron asks, I live in a townhome and want to buy a bigger house in a better neighborhood but I'd like to keep my townhome as a rental property. What are the rules for getting a new mortgage when you rent out your house and buy another one? Becoming a landlord certainly isn't for everyone. However, having tenants who pay enough rent to cover your mortgage and give you extra monthly income can be a fantastic investment for now and when you retire. Keeping your old home as an investment property is one of the easiest ways to become a landlord. In fact, that's how I got my start as a real estate investor. All you have to do is move out and stick a for rent sign in the yard. Getting a mortgage for a second home is just like the process you went through to buy your first home. Approval depends on your income, savings, down payment, credit rating, and debt-to-income ratios. Buying a second home that you plan to live in doesn't require you to pay a higher down payment or have a certain amount of equity in your existing home. You simply have to prove that you can afford two mortgages. Not only is it easier to rent your house and buy another one, but it's less expensive than getting a loan for an investment property. A mortgage for a non-owner-occupied property requires a larger down payment, like 20 or 30% and always comes with a higher interest rate than a loan for a house that you plan to live in. Before you start shopping for a second home, here are six important tips to make sure that you're ready to own a rental property. Tip number one, review your existing mortgage. Some mortgages don't allow you to convert your residence into a rental property without paying a penalty or refinancing into a more expensive non-owner-occupied loan or they may require a one-year waiting period before you can rent out the property. Once you switch your insurance from a homeowner's policy to a landlord or commercial policy, the lender will definitely know that you're not living there anymore. So read your mortgage or call the lender to make sure that you understand what's allowed. Tip number two, research the rent. Never assume you know how much rent you can get for your home. In some areas, the going rent is less than what it costs to own a home. So consult with several local property managers about actual rents that investors are getting for homes similar to yours. If there are no comparable rental properties close to your home, try advertising your property for rent at the price you'd like to receive and see if anyone is interested. Tip number three, estimate the ownership cost. Once you know how much rent you could charge for your home, Subtract your carrying costs. These include all the expenses of owning and managing an investment property, not just your mortgage payment. Get an estimate on a landlord's insurance policy because bad tenants can destroy your home and be a huge liability if something goes wrong. 
add up the cost of this insurance and your property taxes. Plus, you may need to cover the cost of homeowners association dues, yard work, pest control, and utilities. I'll put a link in the show notes to an investment property calculator you can use to make sure owning a rental would be profitable for you. You'll find it on the Money Girl page at quickanddirtytips.com. Just look for episode number 268 called How to Rent Your House and Buy Another One. Hey there, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses, and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Tip number four, factor in vacancies. In addition to a rental property's known expenses, always factor in the unknown by using a 10% annual vacancy rate. For example, if you charge rent of $1,000 a month or $12,000 a year, have at least $1,200 or 10% of that annual amount set aside. That's the minimum cash cushion you should keep on hand to be prepared for unexpected repairs or a tenant who disappears in the middle of the night. Tip number five, consider using a property manager. I always recommend that you budget enough to hire an experienced property manager. They charge about 10 to 15% of the rent, but can pay for themselves by getting you the best rental price and saving you time. A good property manager will screen tenants, execute leases, get estimates for repairs, and take those annoying late-night emergency maintenance calls. If you decide to manage a rental property yourself, you'll need to understand landlord and tenant laws for the state where you live. I'll put a link to an excellent resource for this in the show notes. Tip number six, get a mortgage pre-approval. It's never too early to meet with a lender for a free consultation about whether you can afford to buy a new home and keep the old one as a rental. Always get a mortgage pre-approval before you start shopping for your first or second home. Lenders can give you a pre-approval letter after they review and verify your financial information. It shows the maximum amount you can borrow for a certain period of time. However, remember that you shouldn't borrow the maximum amount if it would be a stretch for your budget and overall financial goals. Not only does a mortgage pre-approval help you shop for homes in the right price range, but it's an excellent negotiating tool. A pre-approved buyer is more attractive to a seller who might be willing to take a lower offer than a higher one that's contingent upon financing. Once you confirm that you can turn your home into a rental, have a realistic expectation of its annual cost, and get pre-approval to buy a second home, you're on your way to becoming a real estate investor. For more money tips, be sure to sign up for the free Money Girl newsletter, join the Money Girl Facebook page, and follow on Twitter, where my username is at Laura Adams, L-A-U-R-A-A-D-A-M-S with no space. For all this information and links to everything mentioned in the show, plus additional resources, 
visit the Money Girl page at quickanddirtytips.com. Just look for episode number 268, How to Rent Your House and Buy Another One. I'm glad you're listening. Cha-ching! That's all for now. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. Oh, 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 oh,